Yo, we are back, as promised. Oh, um, I, I did want to focus um, in after we concluded a lot of Abraham's story. Again, so much good stuff there. I feel really guilty just not talking about everything, but I hope the high points help out a lot uh, because it's, you know, you just got to go on the road and have to, have to go. I've been teaching uh, through Matthew uh, with my, my youth group. And it's uh it's been challenging because there's so many stories in Matthew that'll probably take a good year, two years to to finish. And uh, having to like, you know, not try to nerd out on every single thing to actually get through it. It's taken like six or seven months to get through 13 chapters of Matthew, but it's been well worth it. It's been really good. Uh, same problem I'm having here. Uh, it's taken me like, uh, I'm not sure how many episodes just to get to, to Genesis 20, 24. Um, and we're, we're gonna, we're gonna actually sit in this chapter for a little bit. Um, this is going to be something I go in depth in. This is something that the, the Lord pointed out to me the other day. And, um, I just think it's really good. I just think it's really good. So, uh, we get from the story of uh, Abraham um, getting tested with, with Isaac and that beautiful image that we get of Christ in Genesis 22 there. And Genesis 23 is this reminder of uh, death and the consequences of it. Uh, people are no enemy. It's that serpent, that dragon of old um, that needs to be crushed, that God has promised that somebody's going to crush. Uh, and it's this reminder of death, the consequences of our action that, that God's going to defeat or we need to be uh, overcome. And oh, saying all that, Sarah dies in Genesis, I mean, uh, yeah, Genesis 23. Uh, she dies, and it's just this brutal reminder of life outside the garden that people die. And this is, um, needs to just reflect you back, snap you back. Oh, people are dying. That's the, that's the real problem. That's the real problem. But it leads up into this beautiful story, which I'm just going to be reading and, and talking about uh, throughout, and we'll see how far that we, we get in it. Um, so starting ch uh, chapter 24 of Genesis. Abraham was now very old, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. Pause. Uh, there's some words uh, right there. The blessed, it comes up so many times in here. Uh, if you wanted to reread Genesis and look, or I guess, I think Blue Letter Bible does it, maybe some. Bible apps do it, or maybe some software uh, does it. I think I use Blue Letter Bible uh, to do it. But uh, if you look back and you find the word blessed and all throughout, or maybe you have like a Bible app on your game laptop, I use, um, actually, let me look at the name real quick. I use Bible by Olive Tree. If you do like a Control F and have it in Genesis, maybe that'll work. Um, saying all that, if you look up blessed and every time it pops up in Genesis and you read the context around it and everything, it gives you like a really good definition of what blessed is and what having the blessing is and uh, God's intention to restore the blessing back to humanity. What's it mean to be cursed? What's it mean to be blessed? Uh, those go hand in hand and also opposite of one another. Um, so look for the word blessed as you read, uh, read it. If it's mentioned a lot, it's probably important. Like you get the, the image of the word over and over again. Uh, tree, blessed, things like that, going east, being bad, uh, so things like that. 
because uh, the Lord had blessed him every way. He said to his senior servant in his household, which is Elzir, I think Elizir, maybe that's how you pronounce it. I figure out how to pronounce that name. I'm being terrible with it, but it's E L I Z E R. That's the that's the name of the of the servant. Uh, so uh, the one in charge of the household that he had, he said, "Put your hand under my thigh." Kind of weird, but ancient promises again, different world when you read the Bible. Uh, I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son among the daughter of the Canaanites among whom I am living, but will go to my country, my own relatives, to get a wife for my son Isaac. Now, really weird, really different. But why wouldn't Abraham want to get a wife from the Canaanites? Thinking back to the story, whom are the Canaanites descended from, and what did God say to those who sent it? Not not being. Um, not being like, you know, I guess they call it racist, I guess. I don't know if you call it racist because it's not skin, but not trying to be like, you know what I'm saying? Those people, those people group are bad and these people group are good. Um, there's this uh, motif or image that you get. Um, the Canaanites where they're living, uh, ungodliness, uh, sinfulness. It's not that they're just bad looking on the outside or whatever. They have like this, this, this reputation of being ungodly and will lead people astray from the Lord. Uh, the Canaanites become enemies of the Israelites. It's not just, uh, it's not, you know, coming from any kind of like, hatred because of that. Uh, but you remember from Ham's line, that gets cursed and in curse goes against the blessing. You don't want to mingle in with the, the different people groups going to lead you astray from the Lord. Not because God hates them, but God has a plan to redeem and restore them. And this is the, and this is the plan. Uh, so you have the, the exalted father, Abraham, or Abram, that's his name, Abram, Abraham, father of many nations. Um, saying, hey, get, go get from my own people group, go go out to my relatives and get a wife for my son. Or, you know, uh, but get a wife for my son, Isaac. The servant asked him, well, if the woman is unwilling to come back with me uh, to this land, shall I then take us, your son back to the country where you came from? It's important. Make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out from the, out of my father's household in my native land, who spoke to me and promised to me on oath, saying, To your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, so that you can get a wife for my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand on the side of the master Abraham and swore oath to him concerning this matter. Whew, that was a lot. Um, but the reason why... As, or Abraham did not want his son to leave the land is because God had promised him this is the land that your descendants are going to get. So you need to stay in this land. So remembering God's past promises and faithfulness to, as a reminder, like, hey, if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. But my son isn't to leave this land. This is where God promised him to be. If he's not willing to come back here, then you're released from this oath. But I know the Lord's going to be faithful to have a wife uh, who's faithful to the Lord come back to this land who's going to be, uh, you know, I guess you want to read Proverbs 31, that kind of woman is going to, is going to come back. So um, Abraham can have a, a many descendants and continue this line of blessing and this promise. God isn't um, directly really mentioned in this. It's just a conversation between uh, Abraham and his, and his servant of his household right now. So it's kind of interesting to, to have chapters like this to where, well, what does God think about this? What is God going to do? Um, just because, uh, God isn't mentioned does not mean God's not working behind the scenes. You get that image a lot in scripture. 
uh, think of the book of Ruth if you've ever read that, or uh, Esther, Esther, I had to think of that name, uh, the book of Esther, God isn't, he's, he's like referenced, but he's not, like, it's not mentioned, like, what is God's doing, and this is an excellent example of what God is up to today, just because you don't hear or see directly what God is up to, you see how he plans and he works and he wills to his ultimate purpose and plan, uh, so, so the servant left, taking with him ten of his master's camels, all loaded with all kind of good things for his master, uh, and he set out to Aram the hero. I think that's how you pronounce that. Goodness, guys, it's Northwest Mesopotamia. <laughs> I'm doing bad pronouncing ancient phrases. Um, yes, and those are the kind of gifts you want to bring a lady, I guess, to convince her to be your wife. Yeah. Um, and made his way to the town of New York. That's Abraham's relative. Um, he had the camels kneel down near the water well outside the town. It was toward evening, the time the woman got up to draw water. So uh, Ildir has this really good plan. He's going he's gonna to sit outside near the well where the women are going to come, and he's going to look for somebody who's generous. He got reading on the story. Uh, then he prayed, Lord, God of a master Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I'm standing beside the spring. The daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be when a young woman, may it be that when a, I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, drink, I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one your servant Isaac, or she chosen for your servant Isaac. By this, I know you showed kindness to my master. So he has this great plan. He's going to sit beside the water well. The women who have to come out to get the water in the morning there, they're going to come, which is, I imagine, be hard work. I haven't drawn water from a well. I don't know if any of you guys have, but I imagine it's hard work getting up gallons of water uh, to go, I guess, drink from and have for your animals. Uh, he's going to have it. He's going to sit there, and he's going to ask someone for a drink, which, you know, I don't think it would be too much trouble to give a person the drink, but the water, the camels, too, is just like oh, above and beyond kind of generosity. So that's the plan he has. And, he, and to notice the prayer he has for the Lord, he lets the Lord, Lord know in on his plan to ask him to, to help him there. And that's the, the image of prayer that you get. It's not sitting and doing absolutely nothing, but it's not taking on every all responsibility by yourself. It's doing what you can and trusting God with the rest. And this is exactly the image of the servant. You get, okay, I'm going to trust to do everything that the master says, and I'm also going to trust uh, God's going to work willing uh, through my own actions. And it's just a beautiful story of you know, it's a beautiful image of what prayer looks like. And at the end on the story, before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. So he couldn't even get the prayer all the way out. He, and Rebecca was already coming. She was a daughter of Bethuel, son of Micah, who was Abraham's brother, who was the wife of Abraham's brother, Nahor. So family. Um, again, different time, custom. I'm not going to marry my cousin. But, um, you know, this and uh, God kind of, Talks about this later on in uh, in Leviticus. I have to think of the book uh, in Leviticus about like what's kind of customary or where you're gonna where you're gonna do and you know all this kind of interrelational family things and like what's acceptable and what's not acceptable and this kind of thing. To, I guess make it again to modern readers, it's always gonna seem weird. <laughs> so take uh, take your Western mindset out and kind of humble yourself for the Lord and see what the Scripture is saying. Uh, so. The woman was very beautiful, a virgin, and no man had slept with her, and she went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up again. The servant hurried to meet her and said, Please give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said, and quickly 
and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll try water for your camels too, until they had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran back to the well to draw more water and drew enough for all his camels. <laughs> Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made him successful in his journey. I think we all experienced this at some point if you've been a Christian for any kind of while and you've, and you've prayed and God you know, basically has it all set up right there. It's like wondering, I wonder if this is from God or not. Uh, praying for God for a sign or anything like that. And it just comes out. It's just like, I wonder if this is the Lord. Maybe it's my imagination. What's going on? So you want to like actually pray for the sign to be confirmed. It's like, all right, give me a sign. This sign is the sign that you give me. And it's like turns into like infinite loop. Uh, so this is what Elzier is going through a little bit. It's like, okay, did that work? <laughs> You know, I don't think he was expecting his prayer to be answered so quickly. And he's just like, man, it happened, everything. I just prayed and what's going on, what's going on. Uh, so when the camels had, and also Re Rebecca made amazing um, right here. She she gives all the strength to the, the camels. I mean, I, I imagine that's hard work. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen how much water a camel can drink, but it's like weird, kind of kind of freaky, but it is a decent amount of water. She feels enough for all the camels to drink. And I guess Elizir is, is, is not helping because he's just like in amazement of what's going on. Uh, but I imagine Camel drink a lot of water. Uh, I'm not sure, like, scientific kind of, or, my God, I guess it would be scientific, uh, knowing, you know, all that. I watched Animal Planet, like, a, when I was a kid, so that's my that's my credentials. But they do drink quite a bit of water. I don't know the exact amount of stuff. All right, so when the Camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold nose ring weighing a becca, which is a, about an ounce, or not a fifth of an ounce, you know, 5.7 grams, um, and two gold bracelets weighing 10 shekels, that is four ounces. Um, and then he asked, whose daughter are you? Please tell me, is there room in your father's house for us to spend a night? She answered them, I'm the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Bacchus that you bored in Aor. She had yeah, plenty of straw and fodder as well, as well as a room for you to spend a night. Rebecca seen as this generous, kind, hard-working woman already from this, and watch uh, his response once he figured out who's, who's our family is. Uh, the man bowed down and worshipped the Lord, saying, Praise be to the Lord, the God of our master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness for his, to his master. As for me, the Lord has led me to the uh, on the journey to the house of my master relative. So God enters the prayer really quickly, and it's all going well right now. And I'm going to skip a little bit um, to, to get through a little bit faster. Uh, so, or I guess sum it up a little bit better, just let me read. But again, go back and read this yourself. Uh, they, they're, uh, they, go, they go back to the house. They go back to the house and they're letting them all know. But uh, he's letting them all know what the intention is and, and what's going on. And... Um, he let him know what his intention is, what's all going on, what's, what's he planning to do, be a wife for, for Isaac. And uh, it's just this really awesome and, and cool story. And they're staying the night. They're all being generous. And they're all like, whoa, this is just crazy. Can't really. Uh, this is happening. He told them the whole story of how he's getting here and why he's here. But you have, when they're about to leave, you have this uh, story of this guy named Laban, who's Rebecca's brother. He tries to hold him up for a minute. Yeah, I'm going to kind of find that exact verse. Um, so, this is starting in verse 54. Uh, then he and the men who were with him ate and drank and spent the night there. Just spent the night in the house after 
Abraham's servant explained exactly why they were there and what their intention was to do. They're going to leave uh, quickly to get back to the master to let them uh, know the journey has been successful and everything. Uh, Abraham's very old. I imagine they want to get back quickly, too, before something like him passing away, before he sees God's promises get fulfilled as well. But continuing on the verse, then he and the men who were with him ate and drank and spent the night there. When they got up in the next morning, he said, send me on my way to my master. But her brother and her mother replied, Laban and Rebecca's mom, uh, let the young woman stay with us 10 days or so, then you may go. But he said to them, do not detain me. Now the Lord has granted me success on my journey. Send me on my way so I may go to my master. Then they said, let's call the young woman and ask her about it. So they called Rebecca and asked her, will you go with this young man? I will, she said. So on the on the surface level, this looks like uh, really innocent and, you know, just family wanting to spend time uh, with their with their daughter more. But if you look at it on a spiritual level, we're talking about that serpent. Now, the serpent, that snake, he comes in many ways and forms. He's not always going to come in the form of a serpent on a tree telling you to eat an apple. He's going to come in your friends, in the uh, faces of your friends and the faces of your family with good intentions. Is it does it look like a good idea at on service level for Rebecca and the servant to stay there ten days or so? Yes. But should you delay God's promise at all? Absolutely not. That's the serpent trying to hide but behind the scenes and delay God's plan to get it thrown off. And you see Rebecca resist. Rebecca resists, the serpent resists, and they crush the serpent there. This is you know, it's kind of in, in hitting in between the scenes, sneaky behind there. And there's a story that I'm actually going to pause real quick and I'm going to look up and uh, or reference. I'm going to read the whole thing so I don't take up too much time, but I'm going to give you the verses to go back and read. Uh, there's this uh, story to where somebody did get detained and you see the, the or did be detained when they were sharing the word of the Lord and you see the, the consequences of that. I'll be back in three, two, one. All right, we're back. It's coming out of First um, Kings 13, so please go back and read that, and also the context of it, but try to give it the best I can, a small summary. So in First uh, Kings 13, you have uh, the story where, well, actually, you know, if you know a little bit about the Bible, uh, David and Solomon, you know they're both kings during the uh, I'm sorry, I started in somewhere trying to find, find all these words. You have the kingdom period in Israel where you have David, you know, stories about him. You also have Solomon, you know, wise man of the world, all these riches and stuff. But Solomon doesn't do good uh, all the way throughout his life. And he ends up falling to idolatry and all these other really terrible things. So the, the kingdom gets split. You have the southern kingdom, Judah. And you also have the northern kingdom, which is referred to as Israel. You have the ten tribes up there and the two tribes, Benjamin and Judah, on the southern side. Um, Judah is, is at this point uh, is more. It's hard to tell who's better. It, it's just it's a really hard pick. You know, the northern kingdom is like subject to adultery and stuff, but the southern kingdom has like a lot of hypocrisy and still adultery and just really terrible stuff. But it, it's it's a bad spot. It's a bad spot. So God has this prophet that goes from Judah to Israel to uh, pronounce this king. Uh, what you guys are doing is wrong, pretty much. And God's going to come lay judgment on you guys. And uh, they try to seize him, but then the king hands, like, gets leprosy. And the prophet heals him, and he puts the fear of the Lord in him. And the prophet's commanded to to go back. He is commanded to to go back 
um, to his hometown, not to stop for anything. Or I say leprosy, the hand shriveled up, but then it got healed. I know I felt wrong about saying that. Sorry. Sorry. Please go back and read the chapter to double check me when I say stuff. Um, but um, so he's commanded to go back, not to stop for anybody, but he gets to go back, not to stop, not to eat, not to do anything. So that's God's word to him. So let's go there, do it. So he's seen God's power when the king tried to reach his hand out to him. And his uh, hand filled up and everything. And, you know, he sees God's power. He's on a he's on a high road, pretty much. All I got to do is follow what God says. But there's just another guy who comes in the form of like an old prophet who hears about this prophet and he tempts him to stay. And what the guy says is like, hey, you can stay, eat and drink, you know, take a break, lay, lay a load off pretty much. And um, the the man of God and, and verse 16 of chapter uh, 1 Kings 13, uh, he says, I cannot turn back to you or go with you, nor can I eat bread or drink water in this place. For I've been told by the word of the Lord, you must not eat bread or drink water. Return there by the way you came. So he, he has these specific instructions that he hears from the Lord. And this is what the prophet tells him. The old prophet answered, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel said to me by the word of the Lord, bring him back with you to your house and may eat bread, drink, and drink water. And in parentheses, the altar lets you know, but he was lying to him. Uh, and comparing these two stories, uh, you get this see the serpent, he comes in the form of the family. He also comes in the form of this old prophet. Did God really say that to him? No. And how you know that God didn't say that to him? Because God will never contradict himself. He wouldn't tell this guy to, hey, go back, don't return by the way you came. Uh, this is how he should have known. Uh, and, and then go tell him to go to go eat and stay with this guy that he, he doesn't know. It's this temptation to find rest and comfort. It's a temptation to go against God's word. And it comes in all these different various forms of, of lies and, and stuff like this. So the end of that prophet's journey, he ends up dying because he disobeyed the word of the Lord. He got deceived by that old prophet. And that's exactly what the serpent did to Adam and Eve. Exactly what the serpent tries to do to us daily. Uh, it's this temptation to go against what God said. It's like, did God really say that? Are you sure that God said that? In fact, God didn't say that. He really said this. And it's this temptation to not know uh, what God said. How, how do you how do you know what God said? You read the word. You get into the scriptures. You you figure out what God's saying. You test against the word of scripture. You pray to the Lord. You find your strength and refuge there. You just don't take anybody's word for it. You go back to the source, and you know, including mine. So shameless plug for you guys to go back and uh, really dive into. Am I really speaking the truth? Is it God really know what he's talking about? But going back to the story in Genesis, this is what the temptation is laid out for the servant. So there is this temptation and he brings back uh, Isaac. Uh, he brings back, you know, Isaac's wife, Rebecca, and they get married and, you know, all huddles and kisses and hugs. He resists and he ends up getting blessed out of it is, is how that you know, story ultimately ends. Now, what's the, what's the point of me spending an entire episode in Genesis 24? Well, this is, um, I mean, there's there's many points you can take in this. You can, if you're a girl, you can be like, I want to be like Rebecca, faithful, generous, trusting the Lord said, even um, if it requires me doing some kind of sacrifice, like she has to do with hard work and also leaving behind her family to, to find a better, uh, you know, uh, I guess, future and everything and having that. Maybe you want to be like her. Maybe you want to be uh, like, you know, Isaac, 
and faithfully trust the Lord to bring about you, your wife, and you just try to be the best man you can. And um, you meditate and you pray and you do the best you can to be the best man of God you can and trust God to put that wife on the track. But I want to focus in on the servant. Now, if you look at this um, from a spiritual perspective, you have Abram or Abraham, the exalted father slash father of many nations, sending out his servant to go prepare a bride for his son, Isaac. And um, people should already know where I'm going with this. You have the father sending a servant to make ready the bride for Christ. Uh, and it's just this motif of us focusing in. We're the servants. Well, yeah, we are servants of the of the gospel, making ready God's bride by sharing the gospel out to the nations. So that she may be ready to, to on that day to be married to her, her husband. Christ is called uh, the church's bride. He's redeemed them. He's sanctified by his blood, and he's sending out his servants, which are us. If you, if you know the word of the scripture, you've been saved by the grace of the Lord. You're sent out to the nations to go prepare God's bride, to bring in his family, to our uniquely, you know, diverse family, to prepare his bride that he's going to come to redeem. He's preparing a place for us. And the, it's not through our own strength that we get it. It's through the Father willing and guiding and leading us through the Holy Spirit that we're made uh, ready to do this. And it's just this ultimate motif or this beautiful motif of, of the gospel. I, use, I like the word motif a lot. I think I heard it said one time. It's like, I want to use that. So forgive me for keep saying it. But it's this beautiful picture of it. And you see it um, played out again. You see it with John the Baptist. John the Baptist is uh, a voice in the wilderness calling ready to prepare the way for the Lord. And he goes out and he preaches in the in the woods and to Israel and like, you know, the Lord's coming. Make ready, make ready. And uh, you, this is a beautiful image. And you also have like a false image of we read in Clark is a bad image, not a false one. He didn't intentionally do this, but a, 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 an image of what failing looks like in First uh, Kings 13. It looks like not doing exactly what God says and falling into the temptation. You may have started your race really good, but if you're going to finish it out or it's going to lead to dire consequences, uh, like in his instance, death. Uh, so you have this warning. You also have this encouragement. Uh, if you follow your race, if you finish your, your task faithfully, you get led to the blessing. But if you don't, it has this curse. And we're not by ourselves. We're not by ourselves. We have the Holy Spirit fueled in us who in the God who loves us and changes and transforms us, able to enact in order to do his will because we cannot possibly do it by ourselves. Uh, so we have God himself with us, helping us. And he also redeems our every bad mistake. <laughs> he was with Elzir uh, through his doubt and his failing. Did God really is going to do this? And he helped him out. He gave him, he confirmed it. Uh, he led him through. Uh, and it's all through God's plan and his perfect timing. But so what does that mean for us? Um, how how do you enact this servant-like uh, mannerism? Well, you look at John the Baptist where he talks about in Genesis, uh, not Genesis, John. <laughs> uh, John the Baptist in John uh, chapter 3, we talks about, hey, he must increase and I must decrease. It's all about him, not about me. You have this idea of humility, like it doesn't matter what I do. I want to be a nameless servant. If you notice in here, I don't think, those years name is mentioned at all. I had to go back uh, previous chapters to actually get his name, but his name isn't mentioned. He doesn't care about recognition or fame. He all he cares about is pleasing his master. So since he cares about pleasing his master, he's not worried about uh, worldly needs. 
He just worried about pleasing the master. And that needs to be the same mindset we have. Not to get a reward here on earth, but to get an internal award, award, reward, reward in heaven. And that's where we're going to leave off with. Be be a servant. Don't be uh, subjugated to what we think is a good life, what we think is good, or what other people tell us is good. We go back to the word of the Lord and trust him to provide what is good. You always test stuff against scripture. Resist that serpent that's there that's trying, the enemy's trying to kill us. And watch how God's going to use our story to have it ultimate cosmic effect on redemption of the world. He's the main character. We're just the, we're just the pieces of, of the story. And we need to be okay with that. Crush that pride and embrace humility so God may exalt us in that day. Love you guys. Thank you for listening, man. And pray you have a great, awesome day.